All right, episode 106. Thank you for joining. Today we have Melissa McQueen, who is a prominent figure here in the Denver parkour community and one of the most interesting and unique parkour practitioners worldwide. She's a 47-year-old woman, mother of two, and she is a survivor of a mountaineering event that took all but two of her toes. And so we go into that incredible story and we go into her unique perspective and story and journey through parkour as an older woman. And it's just was so much fun and, and very eye opening and, and just wonderful to talk with Melissa. So I hope you guys love this episode as much as I did. Enjoy. You know, I see you all the time and <laughs> you're very prominent in our community, but I don't you know, off my offhand, I actually don't know the, the full story of how you got into parkour, really. Yeah. And, you know, what brought you into this role of being like one of the more prominent figures in the community here? Yeah. Um, so it was just almost exactly eight years ago. Um, so I have two kids and they were both pretty little at that time. So eight years ago, they would have been nine and seven. And uh, Ninja Warrior had just like... <laughs> exploded on the scene <laughs> and my kids were obsessed with it and were literally climbing everything in our inside and outside our house they were climbing the door frames they were climbing the window ledges everything <laughs> and i wanted to support them but also not have them destroy our house so i was like where can i take them that they can start using all this energy they want to get out doing movement and searched online and found Apex Denver um, and really didn't know much about parkour, the same stuff everybody else knows. You know, it was in a James Bond movie. <laughs> they reference it on The Office. But I'm glad that you said James Bond first. Yes. <laughs> that, that means a lot. When people go to The Office first, I'm like, God damn it. Because yep. at least that, yep. there was like, that's a said. That's, that's one said. of ours oh, no, he's in, <laughs> in James Bond. He's but the real deal. Anyway. <laughs> but uh, found Apex, got them signed up for classes, and they both loved it. And um, the kind of tradition at that point, pre-COVID, was that parents would just sit out in the lobby and mm. kids would go in and take the class. And I love Apex with all my heart, but the lobby sucks. Um, it's, <laughs> it's cold in the winter in there. It's hot in the summer in there. Oh, yeah. and it's just kind of boring. And I'm a person I've done athletics most of my life. I played lacrosse all growing mm. up and into college and coached lacrosse. And um, there was an adult stretching class offered at the same time as the kids class. And so I started taking that. And uh, it was really pretty much just a stretching class, but it was in the gym, so it got me in the gym and hey. kind of looking at stuff. And then one day... The gateway drug. It was stretching. a gateway drug. <laughs> I, it was the best way to lure a parent into the gym. But yeah. uh, Rob substituted for our class one day when the coach was out, Rob Shell, and he actually had us doing parkour stuff. And I was scared out of my mind was pretty sure I wasn't going to survive the class. <laughs> and then the next, I, after it was done, I was like, that was amazing. I, I've got to start actually doing parkour. And um, my son, Connor, at that point was really into time trials. Mm. And so 
even though I hadn't done any parkour, they let me start doing time trials and I, I was super slow <laughs> and like knees and elbows everywhere, but just started to really get into it. Wow. Is it just, what about it? If you could go a little deeper, what yeah. about it was like th so enticing? Was it because you obviously you were very scared at first? Yeah, super scared. <laughs> so um, it was funny at the time I was in I was a teacher for 20 years and oh. I was at a school that it had just developed into a really negative situation. Um, I was committed to staying through the end of the school year because of the kids and not wanting to abandon the kids I was teaching partway through the year, but it was on a professional level, a really toxic environment. Mm. And I started to just literally pour myself into parkour because when you're doing it, you really can't think about anything else. You mm. can only think about parkour and be present in it and think about the jump, think about the swing, think about not dying <laughs> in my case. <laughs> and it was my huge release, plus all the benefits of just exercising and releasing endorphins and feeling good and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so for the rest of that year, I really threw myself into it. And A, I just, I love moving. I love being active and B, the creativity behind it. The fact that there will never be a time when it's like, Yep, I've done it all now. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess I can retire. Like, <laughs> certainly not. Well, that's awesome. And do you feel like you still have the fear, or is it different? I have a healthy fear, but I have a very good sense at this point about what I can do and what I can't do because I've been practicing seven years now, mm -hmm. and so I am familiar with the fear. Um, just. Uh, maybe a month ago we were doing a adult level two class and we were working um, pretty low level Kong fronts, which is something that I've been super afraid of. I'm still afraid of Kongs and much less <laughs> a Kong front, <laughs> but I was confident in my ability to crash safely if I crashed and like knew what I could do and was there with it. And on the other side, I was uh, actually out of swift movement in Cincinnati almost two weeks ago um, for a training certification for instructors. And mm. they kept moving the box back farther and farther <laughs> as we were practicing cat leaps. And it reached a point where I was like, hey, guys, I'm not going to do this one. This is there's no point in my doing this one. This is outside <laughs> my like yeah. ability to safely do it. And then ironically, somebody else and I stepped down and then ironically, somebody else who was looking at it and thinking it might be too far, tried it and ended up kind of hurting themselves. Not badly, but oh, yeah. like... It's a little... Yeah. And so it's that, like, pushing yourself and facing the fear, but thankfully I've done it enough now where it is still scary, but I have a good feeling. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great to hear because that's... Yeah, that's that's one of the gifts of parkour. Like, you know, you really do get to understand, like, where your limit is. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest things that a lot of people don't get. I mean, it does... Not to <laughs> bring too much attention to this, but there is, you know, we, we want to celebrate this. Like, it doesn't surprise me a little bit that you have a mature perspective right. and you've already absor <laughs> absorbed a little bit of like the, the kind of harder to learn lessons in parkour, which is knowing when to say no. Yeah. But, you know, being a little bit older than most of the average practitioners. Yes, I am. Um, you know, let's go into that a little bit because yeah. obviously it's part of, you know, what makes you so unique in, in many ways. 
I mean, there's so many things that make you unique, yeah. but there's also like, you know, this factor of you're, you're 47 right now, 47. Oh my God. Yeah. See, I so had no idea. I started parkour at 40. <laughs> so you started at 40. Yeah. So that's like, I mean, that's an incredible part of your story. So, yeah. you know, just how has that journey been, you know, just being, you know, amongst other, you know, people your age, like how do they view it? And then of course, like, what's your experience like in the community with being someone who can, you know, kind of in a way be a noob, you know, yeah. in, at the beginning, but also have so much other kind of types of wisdom, I'm sure to share. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like I have such a weird position in the community <laughs> because I, I mean, first of all, just being female in the community puts you outside of sort of the mm -hmm. norm. Like most people are male in the community. Um, but then you add in the fact that I am, we've looked and I could reasonably be the parent of most of the people I train <laughs> with. Um, and so it, it does put me in a weird place. And then outside of that, my non-parkour parkour friends basically have no idea what parkour is other than that it's what I do. Mm -hmm. And so it really does put me in this weird spot. And there are definitely times at the gym where I look at things from a very different perspective from the lens of <laughs> decades of extra experience mm -hmm. and have to kind of be the voice sometimes that's mm. <laughs> actually said to one of the guys at this training at Swift, I said, I have to have a mom moment with you. The fact that you're wearing a metal wedding ring is really upsetting to me because those don't go well with hand activities like parkour and mm -hmm. I'd hate for you to sleeve your fingers. So. Oh my God, yeah, you just <laughs> the, made my skin crawl. Yep, the mom <laughs> in me is gonna push you to maybe wear a silicone ring or do something else. But <laughs> um, the funniest was when we started really at first my two number one training partners were my two kids mm -hmm. um and so they were my squad the three of us rolled into jams together we took classes together and then my son and so that made it easy i got to actually spend time doing something fun with my kids mm. but then my son found rock climbing and went all in on rock climbing and my daughter kind of backed away from parkour a little bit and it was this weird moment where all of a sudden I had to go to stuff by myself. Hmm. And it was, it took a little bit to get comfortable being that people weren't going to treat me differently, that I was still going to be a welcome member of the community, even though I'm not necessarily the typical member of the community. Mm -hmm. um, but I have to say the Denver community is amazing. They have, wholeheartedly embraced me and mm -hmm. I get to be a part of pretty much everything and <laughs> that makes me super happy I like being involved I like being the gym mom I like bringing in birthday presents for everybody <laughs> and gummy bears and checking in when everybody's I've been distributing COVID tests to everybody uh this last week <laughs> since that's gone around the gym <laughs> but yeah it puts me in a unique unique position but when we were starting the gym used to have a joke that Christine Dietrich was the mom and David was the dad. Mm -hmm. And we were in the car one day and my kids were like, well, if Christine is the gym mom, you've got to be the gym grandma. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I think I was like 43 at the time. And I was just like, nope, nope. nope I'm not going to be the gym grandma. <laughs> yeah. No, we, we don't have gym grandmas. I don't think maybe. No, um, no. <laughs> But maybe one day, maybe if, oh. if your kids have children and you're still 
crushing it then yeah. we can have a gym grandma yeah um that's yeah there's so many things i want to ask i guess it's like first i guess i could start with just what is what is your impression of i mean you said it's really open do you do you have a, a and you've been to swift and you've been to some other places it sounds mm-hmm. like how is you your um experience or observation of how the parkour community has evolved you know since your inception into it yeah so and like what are the characteristics of parkour that you know again having some more experience like how do you compare it to other disciplines or other things that you've seen you know either blossom or or that maybe are antiquated maybe there's like some things that you can give us a heads up on even yeah (laughs) like what's working and what's not working for us yeah it's been funny so parkour and so the other big sport i'm involved in is rock climbing um through because of my son Mm. i um was the regional coordinator with usa climbing helping coordinate youth competitions for a couple years and i've gotten to see that sport also really grow up over the last Mm. um you know handful of years and it's been funny watching the trajectories of the two and especially the changes in the community and then as always the battles against the changes in the community Mm. and finding a way that we can have the people who like the rebellious outsider mentality of parkour have a white 47 year old woman walk in and that be okay it's Mm -hmm. not taking something away from parkour i don't want to take anything away from their parkour Mm -hmm. um and there are different attitudes, and it's been interesting watching some of the athletes, even internationally, really grow up. So one of our first years sort of doing parkour and being at Apex was the year that both Store came for Roof Culture Asia. Oh, yeah, the tour that they, yeah, that was awesome. That was amazing. Event, yeah. So I got to meet all of them when they were at the gym, and they couldn't have been nicer. Um, really were great. Megan and I were both there, my daughter, and didn't make us feel like outsiders, welcomed Mm -hmm. us in and got to hang out with them. That was great. That same summer, uh, another team from England came through and Mm -hmm. we're filming things. And I actually kind of got into a little bit of a disagreement about even sharing equipment because they want to just get in there, film their lines and have this old lady and her daughter get out of the way. Mm -hmm. And it was like, such a different mentality in terms of the like hey we don't care who you are let's be all part of a community versus the like what are you doing here Mm. i've got to get my serious line (laughs) like but i will say this those guys have really grown up in Mm. the last several years i have told one of them that i've been happy to see the changes because they're not (laughs) the same guys they were yeah back then i have every confidence now they would gladly share the gym with me so (laughs) and not just because of me but because they've matured in their attitude yeah it's a delicate time for a lot of these young i don't know how like if it's like always like that maybe you could even shed some more light on that is like when when young men in particular can have like this very aggressive they you know that's what they people like point towards as toxic masculinity etc i think Mm -hmm. where it's exclusionary and it's it it's it can be violent it's just like i think it's kind of just 
it, 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 like I said, it's just a delicate time where, where guys don't know what to do with their emotions and they haven't been given a lot of tools and often it's like they're conditioned to behave in ways that are antisocial in, in a way just because they are, um, that's what's kind of acceptable. You know, it's, it, it's a weird time because there's still kind of that macho, I guess, uh, yeah. <laughs> thread through, through, through growing up. And that's like the message that young men receive. And so then there's like that maturation phase where it's like, are you going to be okay with yourself and like right. be able to like, you know, be inc inclusive again because yeah. you don't have, um, yeah, it's just a weird time. And I'm, I'm sure there's other things also for women, but I understand that particularly because I definitely had that, you know, yeah. <laughs> with, with parkour, even, I think I, you know, exhibited some kind of behaviors that were like borderline and now looking back at them. Um, <laughs> but Hey, but that's, yeah. but it's really good to be inclusive. You know, yeah. that's what I've learned for sure. It's like, if it's an exclusive exclusionary and, and not inclusive way to be, then that's not, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's just conflict. Yeah. It's been it's interesting. Um, one, I say that I I feel nothing but love from the guys in our community. Mm -hmm. And I've said that I think part of that is that I'm not threatening. They're mm. not trying to date me. <laughs> and everybody else sees that, you know, the other guys who are around me all the time are chill with me. So it's everybody tends to be chill with me, maybe in a way that they unfortunately wouldn't be with somebody who was younger a woman coming into the community because that mm -hmm. feels like somebody you have to impress or show yeah, off or yeah. whatever like i'm getting well and you're not their mom too right. so in a way like you <laughs> offer you know unfortunately it's just more pressure probably for you yeah. or maybe not because you probably can handle it so easily because you know you have the experience but you are helping these guys kind of work through those phases sometimes and you're helping like i'm sure so many people you know there's like parent stuff that is always kind of clouds people's vision and then there's like sexual tension or whatever with yep. like you know people your age but it's sometimes it's just really healthy to just you know learn how to interact with somebody who yes. doesn't have either of those things to to throw you off yeah so that's super powerful i'm going for the cool ant vibe yeah so cool <laughs> ant vibe it's and it, not everyone has a cool ant no that's the problem yeah you know or you know i have cool ants but they all live almost like you know out yeah. of state so well and another one <laughs> of the ways that i'm probably a little more outside the norm for the community is i've been married 20 years to the <laughs> same guy and, yeah. you know like that's have what we would consider a really great relationship and i do definitely get more of the women in the community have every now and then ask me for advice with that type stuff but i do feel that that's another thing that I want to model for the community. I don't think that having a 20 year marriage is for everybody, but if mm -hmm. that is what you're looking for, like I've been in the trenches and <laughs> <laughs> worked through shit with my partner and, you know, know how to make that work. And so I think it also does bring a different aspect to it. And my husband is not involved in parkour in any way, shape or form. He finds it terrifying. Mm -hmm. So, it's it's my thing which i like you know i get to have my thing so. yeah no it's always good to have like um your own things yeah i think that's one of the lessons i've learned for sure with relationship yeah and speaking of the terrifying and like okay so you're you're a mom who understands and like you have maybe a better understanding than than almost any others out there about like 
what we're doing, you know? Yeah. So what would you say to the other moms out there that are terrified, like your husband, yes. of the things that are happening? <laughs> yes. Know? And what do you say to your husband when he's terrified? Is he, yeah. is he scared for you or is he scared for your um, daughter and, and son or both? The whole thing. Okay. It, it all just terrifies him. And again, so our whole family we all do sort of what many would consider quote unquote extreme sports. My mm -hmm. husband does very difficult winter mountaineering and that can be deadly. Oh my God. Um, yeah. I just saw the alpinist and I just saw, yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's not that insane no. or, but, uh, <laughs> uh, the other one I saw was, um, solving for Z that Patagonia yeah. kind of short film. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. We watch a lot of, rock climbing and mountaineering documentaries mm, okay. at the house. <laughs> there, yeah, I mean, a lot of people die at the end of those films. It's yeah. kind of intense, for sure, or the middle of them. Yeah, um, and we've lost friends in the mountaineering community um, mm. to mountaineering accidents. So he, it, it's ironic because he does have a very dangerous hobby, mm. um, yet he finds my hobby terrifying. <laughs> but um, I definitely get a lot of how do you let your kids i mean and my son's a rock climber um how do you let your kids do this stuff and it's partially just you know i've i trust my kids i know them i trust them i have learned to watch when they're trying new big scary things with a certain level of detachment mm -hmm. i also trust their coaches um especially my daughter she really will want to practice things and break things in the gym before trying them outside mm -hmm. there are always coaches around i sort of if a coach isn't hollering that he thinks this is a bad idea for her then i just sort of have a detachment that i have to get from it i mean we're not immune i had a crash outside where i wasn't badly injured but i was pretty bruised up and probably could have taken a stitch or two mm -hmm. but because I knew how to land and fall. It wasn't worse. I didn't hit my head or break anything. Nice. Um, Megan scorpioned pretty good once on something <laughs> that she clipped on. And oh. But came out of it fine. You yeah. know, it's. It takes some of those, <laughs> right? You like it's 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 sort of unavoidable when and it's sort of unavoidable either way. It wouldn't be you honestly know? as much fun if it wasn't. Yeah. Like, yeah. It just. If you can find things that are completely safe, but yeah, my thing is always, doesn't. you know, I could have gotten in a car accident driving over here. Today exactly. It's like, yeah, even if you lived your life completely, you know, you're just playing chess and right. whatever, um, lifting, like said. doing like a, you know, I don't know what this is. Pilates. Oh yeah. But <laughs> I mean, you can still pull muscles and yes. tear strings and, but like, even if you didn't do anything extreme, then yeah, you could still just get hit by a car. Yeah. Right. So it just, it's, minimizing that risk is just a impossible task and it totally is and meaningful task. i would just i mean part of my feeling about it is that i balance it because i am 47 and i mm -hmm. want to be doing this i want to continue doing this and so it is like healthy risks my yeah. husband likes to say she takes the amount of risk that's appropriate for somebody 47 like <laughs> <laughs> that's good and i think that's also yeah that is that's a good example to set because I think you're kind of a pioneer for other people that are in a higher age range that maybe, you know, feel like this stuff isn't for them. And it's like, no, this, this is still for anyone that wants to ha to, you know, make it theirs. Yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, we're lucky that Apex has a uh, over 40 class that they offer that has a great group of people that take it. Um, they have a couple of really supportive coaches who get what that group needs. I know that currently the group is, um, I'm pretty sure, all over 50, actually. and Except they, for you. I actually don't take the over 40 Oh, class. you don't take the over 40 Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a snob. <laughs> You're like, ah, come on, guys. Yeah, <laughs> it actually has more to do with my schedule. Oh, but yeah. we are. I, I've been practicing a lot longer than they all have, and I am probably at a. Well, they need to call it fifty level. over fifty then. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I don't want it to be exclusionary yeah, no, that's... to anybody who wants to come in at forty who isn't necessarily in the shape I was in. Yeah. When I came into it, um, you know, one of my pushes really in the last couple of years, I've really really in the last year thrown myself into the parkour community and into parkour and one of my big pushes has been having competitions add sort of a master's bracket um mm. i've always competed since i started training i've been doing speed competitions and i always come in last and <laughs> that's totally okay because i have so much fun i mean all my friends are there we're all doing something we love and mm -hmm. challenging ourselves and one of my friends is probably going to win and I have a great time. That being said, I've really pushed that most people over 40 don't want to compete against 19-year-olds. Um, we're never going to win that yeah. in parkour. <laughs> um, although there are amazing athletes over 40. Seb Fukan and I are actually the same age. He's 47 also. Um, there you go. Or at least we were both born in 74. Mm -hmm. um, and he's still tremendous. There are a lot of really great examples. But that shouldn't be a barrier to people coming into the sport. And I would love to see more people over 40 come into the sport. Now, again, how much the younger community wants to see that, although we had a over 40 at the last comp and it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I think you said earlier and what we, we, you know, we talked about this, we talked about the rebellious spirit on the last yeah. episode with uh, Tom Taylor. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately it's like, it's not but it's and you know yes. it's just like it's all there we all want we should all want everyone to take part however is the right way for them to take part yeah and celebrate each aspect of it it's one of the ways that i feel that you can really look at the rock climbing community and they have a really yeah they have a really strong example for us to look towards i think they have such a strong example because the fact that it was in the Olympics has not taken it. Most people who do rock climbing are never going to compete in it. They're never going to go to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. It's just something they love to go do. But they also have a venue for people like my son who really loved competing and challenging himself and throwing himself at increasingly difficult boulders. To Is he, what's he compete at? Is he so, in the like full Olympic, like he does all three, um, no. the speed, like because it's speed. speed Oh, he doesn't do speed. No. But he there's then there's bouldering and then there's sport, sport climbing. Yeah. Right? Okay. So in um, it's actually another way it's similar to parkour. There are three disciplines. And so mm. there's speed, which he doesn't do, doesn't like it. It's one set course and it's just head to head races. Yeah. I feel like that's a little bit too it's narrow. It's a whole different sport. Almost. Yeah. It's just like it's apparatus. It's it's yeah. very specific. I mean, great if it's what you're into, but it's like yeah. so specific. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I can see why someone would maybe 
especially someone who was into parkour yeah not want to steer in that direction yeah he was so he went from parkour into rock climbing and he still very much loves the so his biggest love is bouldering which is again much more creative and big moves mm -hmm. and can be dynamic and stuff like that and if you're competing in bouldering, you get multiple chances to climb the same route. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're doing sport and competing, you only get one shot at that route. Yeah. It discourages you from really trying interesting beta um, on the route because that's your one shot. Um, yeah. He did, he has, so he was competing in the Youth USA Climbing Youth Series um, and has been to nationals a couple times. But oh. he goes away now to a special school for rock climbers. So oh, yeah. he's not competing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but outside climbing for him right now. Oh, okay. So he's kind of switched his focus. But I love that, again, in the rock climbing community, you'll see couple, couples who are like 70 belaying each other at the gym. Mm. And you'll see young guys thrown down on huge problems and little girls in the club and that's the way I'd love to see our community build it, it. Like you said, it's not, or it's, and we can have all those things and have a strong community. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm wondering what, uh, I mean, I think it's definitely, that's the way we're headed and that's where it's going to keep going. And I keep, I want to keep doing it. So <laughs> I'm gonna have to find ways to keep uh -huh. doing it. And so I, uh, when I started really getting into parkour, I, didn't really know many people. I knew one other person over 40 who was doing parkour at the time, um, Thomas, who has since moved out of the country. And when I, I wanted to connect with other people, so I went and on Facebook, because I'm of that generation. And I'm of that generation. Is, <laughs> yeah. that th is that a thing now? I'm yeah. dated now because I'm on Facebook? Yeah. Shit. How's your TikTok skill? <laughs> what? How's your TikTok skill? That'll I right don't there. have a TikTok. Yeah. So there you go. Okay, yeah, well, I'm yeah. definitely in the same generation <laughs> as you in that regard. I'm just like, I just don't want any more of those. Thank nope. you. Nope. I've missed TikTok and Snapchat. Um, so I went on Facebook and found a community page, Parkour Over 40. Mm -hmm. And it's a group where you have to be 40 to join it. Um, and loved it. Oh my gosh, I've made so many friends through that group. Um, that's actually, so the page was started by Mark Turok and APK. Oh, cool. And that's how I met Mark. And uh, I'd say over the summer, I reached out to Mark and said, you know, I'd really like to expand this because it's just something I'm becoming really passionate about. There's this group of people who started with parkour who are now aging up in it. You, Jesse Danger, had just tried to join the over 40 page and they booted him out because he's not 40. <laughs> but people who actually still love parkour and want to stay with the movement but are trying to understand what does that look like mm -hmm. um, as I age into it and how do I still challenge myself, feel good about myself when I go out and have a training session and not beat myself up that I used to do, you know, yeah. <laughs> these huge roof gaps and maybe that's not what I'm doing now, but still finding love in the movement. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to increase exposure to people under 40 and people who are over 40, but not doing parkour of what we're all doing and make it more accessible. Um, I know like Howard um, Palmer is a great example of somebody who has come up through it and aged into it and is still just crushing it. Yeah, Howard is just, he's still getting better. 
Like he's he actually is. like, he can't even say like, I used to do roof gaps. He's like, I'm doing my biggest roof gaps now. Yeah. Like he's, he's in super inspiring. Yeah. And I, yeah. In so many ways. And I think he's, uh, we just had his birthday over the summer. I think it was 41 over the summer. So yeah. Crushing it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, partially I started an Instagram page, um, PK over 40 to try to share what people are doing mm. on all levels, you know? Have you talked with Bo? I know Bo's another like kind of well-renowned. Yeah, I um, am not. Okay, is he in the group or is he? I he follow? don't think he is. Yeah, I don't. I've never really spoken to him. I know like yeah. he's kind of. I don't. From what I heard, this is total hearsay. But I I just remember hearing that he doesn't. He keeps to himself, you know, yeah. more or less. So he's not. Um, maybe an easiest guy to get pinned down. But it'd be cool to talk to more with him. And yeah. But he is. He's another one that's just like. What? because some of the things that he's doing again it's kind of like howard you're like what is going on like i didn't know that anyone could do that at (laughs) that age um but yeah i haven't seen but anyway yeah but that's that's awesome yeah i can't wait till i turn 40 i can join the group at least have something something to look forward to in that day i was uh (laughs) joking around at one point you know the guys at the gym made that team young y-u-n-g with like an umlaut over the u at one point (laughs) And I was joking. What's an umlaut? Is that the the, the like the U with the two dots? Two dots. I think. Oh, yeah. the two dots. Yeah, so Uber I, young. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to get shirts for us that said old, but just umlaut <laughs> LD. Um, but we haven't gone that far yet. But that would be pretty great. Yeah. Old. We're gonna be rolling deep with the squad. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I'm glad you guys are fleshing that out. I'll have something to really step into at that point. Yes. Um. And I'll hopefully help bridge the gap in between That's that where 30. Because even the 30 threshold for some people, it's it's intense. For me, it was at least. It depends what, where you are in your journey and all that. And like, yeah. like you said, like what your motivations are and like how you have to kind of repurpose yourself and reinvent yourself to keep yeah. staying in it. But yeah, each of those decade milestones can be um, just pivotal. Yeah. I have my first kid at 30. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I was still really trying to convince myself at that point that I liked yoga also, <laughs> but it turns out that I have total respect for yoga and I wish I could be a yoga person mm-hmm. similar to how I feel about running, mm. but it's just not for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm really competitive and I would constantly hurt myself in yoga <laughs> class because I'd be trying to go deeper, farther, whatever than the person next to me. Oh my <laughs> <God>. <laughs> That's so funny. So it wasn't for me. <laughs> uh, but that um, was 30. That is 30. Yeah. Was what is 30? Okay. Just as a, you know, this is a selfish question, but like, what do you, what, what was your biggest takeaway from the 30 to 40 range? Well, 30 to 40 for, for me, you know, I had two kids and went and got a second degree. And the one I joke about is when I hit 40, I, finally was totally comfortable in my skin Hmm. like i've heard that yeah just sort of this is who i am and that works for me and mine so that's good (laughs) and i hope what you're doing is working for you and yours and (laughs) yeah if our two things go together that's great do you think 40 for you is different than 40 for like the generation in front of you and do you think it's gonna be different for us because i tend to think that like well, my, I have a theory, yeah. very, very unresearched theory, but it's just like a feeling basically that it's, 
like we're going up a little bit slower in a way like in a, in a good way and in a maybe you could look at it in a negative way it's like oh like you know when kids were yeah. you know, 100 years ago they really had to grow up fast and like you're already like much more mature in some ways oh, yeah. like when you were 20 or 16 yeah and yeah, now right. like people really get to like kind of flesh out their childhood and flush out all these feelings and like really get to expand and grow into themselves and so the benefit of that is they really get to feel all that things and like really discover all the important things they don't get stuck with um you know bad patterns and stuff because it's not as demanding on them to like yeah. be be a certain way by a certain time in their life and then you know the other flip side of that is that it just takes you know it's kind of interesting that you know we we see just like that playfulness and that childlikeness stay with people for longer. Yeah. Yeah. I actually love seeing adults who enjoy life, yeah. who are having fun and laughing. And I always say nobody laughs more doing parkour than I do. I find <laughs> the whole thing hysterical because I'm constantly, <laughs> I don't know, it's just fun. And 40 is totally different now than when like my parents were 40. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw this thing the other day, and I, who knows, don't believe everything you read on the internet, but apparently the girls who are in the current sex in the city are the same age as the ladies were in Golden Girls when they made Golden Girls. And oh, really? that's that different perception of, like, what being in your 50s means. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the, I don't remember, I mean, I've heard of the Golden Girls, but I didn't know, like. Oh, they were like retirement village. They like, were like, yeah, like, okay, that's, like, those are grandmas. Yes. In back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's like, no, those are still whatever. I mean, if it's still called sex in the city, I'm, I'm it assuming is. it's kind of like, yep. they're still kind of, Hey, we're still, we're yep. still whatever. We're like, yeah. Young women. Yeah. Um, it was funny. We had a series of au pairs live uh, with us for a long time while I was still working and my husband was working and we needed to get the kids around and, one of the pairs was from Poland, and at one point she said to us, she's like, I think that looking at you guys, 40 is very different here than what it is in Poland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People in Poland aren't, you know, going out and hiking mountains in the middle of winter in their 40s and going to parkour and rock climbing. And, like <laughs> and unfortunately, a lot of people in the U.S. aren't doing that at 40. Yeah, know? very true. So. But what are they doing? That's the other question. It's like. I think golf golf <laughs> or nothing golf is the ultimate like la that is like the last stand of athleticism yes for like you're like i i can twist yes i can still twist my hips and like hard yeah <laughs> yeah i have gone to a golf course a few times i hey, grew up with grandparents who liked golf who doesn't i like i worked at a golf course when i was uh younger and Did i you? Most used to mow the grass, mow the greens, yes. mow the tea boxes. <laughs> it was one of my favorite jobs, even though I also hated it. But yeah. like I can look back on it now, now so fondly yeah. because it got me up like super early in the morning, like, you know, before sunrise every time. And then just you get to walk around and like I didn't really yeah. appreciate it back the then. Outside, but it's like, like just being outside in the in the early morning and just catching yeah. all the sunrises. It's a pretty awesome experience. Yeah. But it turns you into a vampire at the same time if you're that age because then yeah. it's like what do you want to do you want to go party with your friends all night or at least that's what right. i wanted to do <laughs> so i had to sleep from like the hours of 2 p.m to like 9 and yes. then go out and then wake up at 4 in the morning it was just 
oh. a disaster. No, <laughs> no. That's another one of those sports I've tried, and I'd love it if I could love it, but it's just not. not maybe, my thing. maybe another twenty years. Yes, you'll find something that y- in there that you like. <laughs> nope, no. Nope. Maybe not. I actually, so I was on the front end when rollerblades first came out, and was huge into rollerblading. Oh, really? Like in the nineties, and I've just pulled my blades back out. I think that might be the next. Next one that I add on, although I've kind of reached my capacity for sports I can add on, you know, during quarantine, I added in aerial silks and then um, have recently added in hula hooping and because uh, we have a great circus program. There is a great circus program there. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I'm reaching my capacity <laughs> on how much time I have versus how many hobbies I can yeah. really throw myself into. But rollerblading is one that i'm not talking like tricking or anything like that you know i'm not going off jumps but not yet exactly (laughs) so my daughter has a friend who does roller derby and does like tricks on her roller skates and i'm convincing her to take us to wherever she trains so we can yeah i wonder if in the future like you know by the time i get by the time i'm 50 let's say (laughs) there's going to be you know me and a bunch of other 50 year olds and we're all like shredding down handrails and stuff still. Cause we like decided to pick up rollerblading in our forties, you yes. know, and, uh, and we just got better Yeah. and we have, you know, if we keep this movement stuff alive, I mean, who knows? Like, I think there's a, there's actually a lot of questions still around like what deterioration is and why it happens and like how long you can keep the body just alive and elastic and, and yeah. really like strong and vital. And I'm always interested in, in the people that are pushing those boundaries because we've seen some crazy things. And yeah, it's amazing what some people are doing yeah. late into life. Like, oh, yeah, especially I know in swimming and running. But those are, again, sports that have been around forever. Mm-hmm. It's impressive. Some of the stuff people are doing. Yeah, the old life. sports that give you some clues. Right. Yeah. Well, swimming is very interesting, too, because it's like that one's super cardio like it's so difficult if you ever like tried to swim laps it's like yeah torture but yeah it's no impact on the body it's right. all like just building fitness yeah. so it can make you super healthy i'm sure yeah and last you can last super long time skiing's another one though i mean skiing can be pretty hard on the body <laughs> but you see people yeah my dad still crushing. my dad's like a freak skier yeah. and he's and he's been skiing you know for 40 years or no longer than that like he's 60 something 64 yeah. or something like that and he's he's still really quick and he just shreds it's he's, amazing yeah <laughs> yeah so i i'm hopeful that you know i would love to see parkour build up i want to see it go the path of rock climbing and skateboarding and i mean what a huge year it was for those two sports with the olympics and just yeah you know getting it out there in front of people and representation and i know that again not everybody in parkour loves the competition scene. They Some people don't love it. Some people really don't love that we got kind of taken under <laughs> gymnastics umbrella. Yep. You know, I'm sure you are familiar. Oh, what yeah. was your take on that? Did you have one? So I definitely come at it from an interesting perspective. I've heard tons about, no, you know, more than probably that average person for sure about everything with fig and what's happened with that i have friends who compete do fig competitions i love that they have found a way that they can make money through it um on the other side 
it always feels yucky when somebody who's not of your sport comes in and starts telling you how to do your sport. Mm -hmm. um, I don't find their courses very inspiring, and that's one of the things that's most exciting about parkour is, you know, I can watch a really good indoor speed competition and find it exciting if it's got a creative, interesting course. Mm -hmm. But um, those straight line courses, I just don't find that interesting. Um, and again, if we want to grow up at some point, we have to have a group over keeping people together. And I look point again at having worked with USA Climbing and what they're doing. And I actually have kind of tried to foster connection with a couple of the guys at USA Climbing and a couple of people at USPK um, mm -hmm. to talk about that development and how they came up. And they even have a different stance. USA Climbing is separate from the International Federation of Sport Climbing, the IFSC that does international competitions. And for a long time had their own set of rules for competitions, although lately they've been changing the rules to line up with the IFSC rules because it was a really big disadvantage to our athletes when they went mm -hmm. to international competitions to be climbing under different rules all of a sudden. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> especially with the Olympics. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You need your athletes to know the rules they're going to be climbing under. <laughs> what can you tell? Because I'm a little bit curious about this. Like, what was your what did? Because I know there was some uproar in rock climbing, right, too, about the way that it was brought into the Olympics and the fact that you have to compete in all three events and instead of having each one individualized. And, yeah. um, do you think that that will change? Like the formats are going to change? Do you think the community is still up? I guess what I'm curious about is, is the rock climbing community in general still unsatisfied or is it like most of them are satisfied and like, you know, depending yeah. on that answer, like how is it going to change if it does change at all, do you think? So we already know it's going to change for the next Olympics for Paris. Okay. Um, so they did for the last Olympics in Tokyo, they combined all three events and had this weird scoring format where athletes had to compete in all three mm -hmm. speed, sport, and bouldering. And then there was a multiplier between how you placed in each one of those and the person with the lowest score um, won the overall medal. Okay. And there was one set of medals then for women and one set of medals then for men. And when that first came out, people were in the <coughs> climbing competition community. Because, again, most of the people don't compete. Yeah, in exactly. It's not even. Less. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're totally in an uproar because prior to that, people sort of specialized in one of the disciplines. That doesn't mean they necessarily only competed in that one discipline, but yeah. they would really focus more on it. It was their passion. That was their main thing. And a lot of the climbers, a lot of the best climbers didn't really do speed at all. Yeah. And so all of a sudden they had to, yeah, they had to learn this course, Yeah. but they were compl I mean like the people that had specialized in it already, it's like they're light years ahead of like right. you know, them and it's, and it's just unsatisfying for them to like be forced to compete this yeah. way probably. Yeah. So they have, but it was hilarious to see oh. someone like Adam Andra compete in speed. Right. Yeah. I think there was people getting kicks out of that yeah. because of like, you're just like, he would never do this, but right. here he is doing it. Right. No, <laughs> he, there were a few people, Adam, Yanya that really went out of their way and had to throw themselves all into speed mm -hmm. for a while training Yeah. because that was the only way you were going to, even if you are yeah. arguably Even if you're, the best climber in the world. Yeah. 
You're not going to win a medal You're unless you have some experience over here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for Paris, they have given the green light. So climbing now gets two medals instead of one. Does so it overall? Speed. Oh, speed gets is its, its own. own. Okay. Right. And then bouldering and sport get a separate one. And people, I mean, we'd all obviously ideally love to see three yeah. medals given for climbing, but sport and bouldering at least. And maybe this so is how it goes. It is. Because like, again, and then like whatever, I don't know what after what happens after Paris, but another four years, yep. then they add the next event. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it just is slow to drip these events out in the Olympics. Yeah. And maybe even for gymnastics, that's how it started. It's like, no, first it was, right. there was just the overall. Yep. And then they started to delineate like your floor and your yeah. whatever. I don't know. Uneven but that, and you know, <laughs> and again, this is just another sliver of the pie. You know, this competi yeah. competitive side, even in the competitive side, the Olympics is a very specific kind of competition in some ways. Because the Olympics is like the oldest, most, you know, I see it as it's this wonderful thing. Like you said, it offers this huge opportunity. There's money. There's. Although not much. Not much. <laughs> That's the thing that, you know, for me, it's like, all right, the, it's great. I don't want to like not have it or, you know, try to eliminate it. But it is. There's so many like there's just a lot of old energy in that oh, whole yeah. thing and, and the way that it's structured. You know, one of the things that blew me or just makes me laugh, I guess, was the Taekwondo. Um, oh, I missed medal. All that. There was a Taekwondo. I don't I don't follow Taekwondo, but this yeah. is just like this is the epitome of the Olympics. Like yes. what's wrong with the Olympics in one event, which was like this Taekwondo tournament, whoever mm -hmm. the guy knocked the other guy out yeah kind of by accident because yeah. he just kicked him too hard and that guy got disqualified and lost the medal and the yeah. other guy that got knocked out won the gold medal nice and it's like if you're doing a discipline where the goal hit. is to like <laughs> fight somebody and be good at fighting it's like it's become so warped and twisted that it's actually like it's not even taekwondo i mean i don't know what taekwondo is but yeah. it for sure isn't martial arts anymore right. because it's like yeah the guy who got knocked out won it's like wow. that's not how you do martial arts and so it just gets like very distorted yeah. at the, like you know the older and the longer these things kind of like stay in there and i don't know anything about taekwondo so yeah. maybe i need to talk somebody yeah. <laughs> that can explain to me like why that's you know it's uh, you know i got it all wrong yeah but it's just like it seems absurd to me and i hope that doesn't happen to parkour that's all yeah you know, i just don't want to see competitive park and i don't think it will because i think it's just a very different thing like taekwondo is already kind of an acceptance of specificity yes whereas parkour is like no we're not just doing one thing right and so yeah we'll see you it's, know but they've already kind of like went down that road and that's why it can i think get a little bit squirrely um but that's the same thing with with the speed run it's like who yeah. knows what happens you know it starts it starts to look a little, little bit a lot i'm sure to some climbers the speed event is like just this not even climbing, climbing yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> so it's not climbing i will say this I know I've had the honor of meeting a lot of rock climbers mm. and international rock climbers because there used to be a rock climbing world cup held here in Colorado every year. Um, and I've done enough volunteer work. I've gotten to meet all the climbers. And again, it's a pretty small community like parkour, even though it's bigger, mm -hmm. but they all do love climbing. They climb outdoors, you know? Yeah. It's not just that. Yeah. Like, that's the thing is like, you can't win the gold. Even if you, 
like you have to love taekwondo even if yeah. you're like doing it weird like because the rule is don't hit people too hard that's right. not okay <laughs> you know but like it's just um yeah no doubt you're not going to get to the top if you don't love it which means you're no. probably going to love all aspects of it so that is you know a good thing and for someone that's what like again there's a place for everybody yeah. there's someone who loves it but they're also so competitive yep. that they want to work through that energy and like let them have it let them have the gold yeah you know i know one of your guests uh i think twice ago was talking about how all competition is negative or something yeah like tim that. was talking about yeah. how <laughs> let me see if i can paraphrase tim's such a i love tim he's just it such was so a, interesting he's just like one of my favorite people and also because he's just so mysterious like in in things that he explores yeah um i love like that he's going in these weird kind of because i've gone through i've started to dip my toe into these areas which is yeah. just like well i think what he's saying is basically all this urge to compete comes from sort of a you know, and I have to listen back, but a trauma yes. that is done to yeah, the saying. emotional body or just like to to the soul in some way yeah. to use that word, you know, kind of loosely. And these wounds, you know, yeah. you can heal them. And but the competition is sort of like not healing. It's sort of like a yeah, a, it's like almost an, a, a feeding of the wound in a healthy way, potentially, yeah. but it's not doing the healing of yeah. it and so the yeah it and it can, can cause all these conflictive behaviors but yeah. uh, sorry what was your take on that oh just it was funny because as i was listening to it i was thinking and you know i love competing um and while i've had some trauma in my later life like well and he, by the way sorry just to qualify i think he was specifically talking about like the violent sports because yes. we were talking about ufc at that point yeah so i don't know that he has an issue with all competition but in particular violent you know like that's who fair. would wants to beat people up for a living you know yeah. that's a little bit and there's a definitely a, a distinction there sorry no that that is fair <coughs> yeah I, I definitely took it as more of a like competition in general so i would be curious if it was all competition is negative or you know because i look at like my kids um and my daughter doesn't really like competing which is great um that's not who she is mm -hmm. but my son and I love competing and I look and we're, I'm like, boy, we had pretty idyllic <laughs> upbringings. I don't really have any childhood trauma that I'm. Yeah. You just like it. Trying to process. I just love pushing myself and mm. watching other people push themselves. And especially one of the things I love about parkour competition is I, you know, you get to practice the course a little bit, but it's new to you and just like, it feels like such a personal challenge to me mm. and maybe it's because i'm a piece that i have no shot for a medal like i'm not <laughs> i'm not podiuming <laughs> the only time i've ever podiumed was yeah i think there might be a bias like in in tim and in i like the way i look at it too because i think we both do have that trauma thing yeah and we both did work through some of that through our competitive yep. nature and so we both think that that's real and maybe it's like it's not quite as um you know clear that that's the case with you know everyone right. I'll, I'll, certainly i think we both would agree that that's not everyone but you know it could be the case that everyone that competes in a violent sport feels that way who knows i don't know that's a very interesting question i think but that's really a <laughs> but yeah i definitely i think that i have a bias towards thinking that like yeah people are working through stuff and it's like not everyone you know yeah. kira is actually one of the people that taught me that it's just like 
Cause she, you know, I was just like, why would you, you know, I had this mentality. I'm like, why are you even competing if you're not trying to win? Like, and it's like, there's so many different reasons to compete that aren't winning, you know? And it it doesn't have to be about that. But for me, that was like, you know, I couldn't compute that at first. (laughs) I was just like, um, but that's just the beauty of like actually learning, you know, I often, there's so much that people different, there's so many different ways to approach competition in anything in life that are not yours. I also feel like I'm competing for so many other people. Mm. Like I'm getting out there and they're seeing me at 47 with two teenagers Mm -hmm. get out there and do it. And I'm not embarrassing myself and I'm not, you know, like I know a lot of younger athletes who have said to me, like, it gives me a lot of hope seeing you do this stuff. And so that's another part of the reason I guess I put a pressure on myself to compete is, you know, yeah, people do look at me. Yeah, no, it is inspiring. And it, it's, it's great to like, to be, make that shift even like I haven't done any competitions in a long time. Yeah. And I don't know that I will again, but I, I can see now, like I, and I've had to shift my whole, you know, motivation a little bit in yeah. that direction where it's just like, I'm doing it. And it was always there too. It's not like it was hundred percent trauma yeah. based ever for yeah. me either, but it was just like, that's um, something that I finally, you know, that's the danger of healing that is then yeah. once you heal it, then you're like, Oh shit. Now how do I get the energy and the motivation yeah. to do it? It's like, but there's actually much better ways to do it. Yeah. Like much more sustainable ways. Yeah. Well, I mean, I watch when you and Max go out and train and, you push each other, it seems like. Ma- yeah, Max is such a great example of someone who I compete with yeah. in a way because he brings the best out of me. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I love training with him because he's so freaking strong. Yes. And he's so perfect <laughs> in his technique that even to, like, just, like, uh, look at the same challenges kind of, like, brings, brings yeah. out the best in me, you know. And so I always – it's really great. Yeah. One of the big skills that I've developed – because I'm often not doing as big of things as my friends Mm. is a really unique way of looking at a challenge they're working on a space they're training in and finding what are the fun things I can do in this space? How could I take what they're doing and add an extra step into it or a tack or something and make it work for me and my age and my size and my ability and I actually, that's part of the mental challenge of parkour that I really enjoy is solving that problem of, I can still totally train with you guys and mine's just going to look a little different, but we're all going to be still training together and having fun and laughing. And that's a huge part of what I love about parkour. Yeah. Um, I remember one of the first times I was training solo in the gym, Jared came in and was training solo also. And it was working on just ridiculous things. And (laughs) he only does ridiculous (laughs) things. He came over to the one bar where I was training to kind of train with me, but he was going to be doing, I was literally just trying to lash a pre off a bar to a piece of wood on the floor that was like two feet away. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure Jared came over and was trying to do like a flyaway to land on the same piece of wood. Of course. (laughs) And I actually moved out of that space because I was so intimidated Mm. by what he was doing. And I would never do that now. I would have just really enjoyed being in that moment together. Yeah. And I think that's also a grace that we all have to give ourselves of, I don't suck because Jared can do a flyaway to this piece (laughs) of wood. 
it's yeah. awesome that I get to be here experiencing this and like trying to challenge myself and yeah yeah everyone's edge is very different you know yeah and there's just the the beauty is that we're all just sharpening together yeah I do think though that particularly for young men that's a hard line and I think it can be almost even an intimidating and hard sport for guys to come into unless you're pretty darn young because you're comparing yourself right away to somebody who's probably doing something bigger than you and it can be really embarrassing as a young man to step forward and not be as good at something or you mm -hmm. know totally yeah there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of that yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of people and there's and again that's where that trauma thing comes in is sometimes people that's like why they had to get that good is because they just yeah you know they needed to, to be just you know they needed to feel like they were really good at something yeah because they just never felt that good at anything you know and so it's like it can be and then, but then the person that's like, they're, you know, they, they see that person that's really good and they don't realize that like, no, they were just where you were, right? you know, and they just like worked through a, right. a crazy amount of that fear or whatever that is sometimes to get to like that level. But they just see it as like, oh my God, that guy's just super good. He probably was always that good. He's probably yeah. born that good. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I, and then, you know, women coming into the community have a whole different oh my God. bag yeah. of things that they have you to guys deal with. Have so to. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I've watched girls. I got to tell you, if you're new to parkour, one of the scariest things you can ever do is walk into an open gym session because it's just, you know, it's chaos. Yeah. It's chaos. <laughs> and it's usually a lot of guys and they're doing things you're never going to be able to do and you're worried you're going to get in their way or get hit or, you know, like I have watched girls walk into the gym during open gym and just kind of stand and stare like deer in the headlights and then like retreat and not ever end up really coming in. Cause it was just like, mm. Oh my gosh, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> and, and it doesn't get any easier necessarily. Right. For some, no. because yeah, there's just a lot of like, like we said, there's, yeah. it's a, it's a kind of a, it can be hot, not hostile on purpose, but it can be a hostile yes. environment with, with all these dudes not knowing what to do with, with a girl, you yes. know, either. And like just having poor awareness around like, well, first of all, if they, if they, let's say they have the uh, trauma thing, they want to get the attention. So yes. then they're trying to get someone's attention. They're yeah. trying to impress and they're trying to do like extra crazy yes. things, which is like, that's. <laughs> You're like there was reactionary behavior that happens when when a girl sometimes enters. Yeah. And those young men are. Yeah. So it can be. Not beneficial necessarily for yeah. for her experience. Yeah. And then there's the, the other side of that where dudes go out of their way to try to make it, you know, oh, welcoming. But they're there. like way. <laughs> yeah. They're not reading it at all. And they're just yeah. annoying and being, you know, causing her extra anxiety, probably. Right. So. Um. <laughs> It reminds me of two things. Big, all that to say, just bless these yes. ladies who are <laughs> willing and, and, and can endure that um, that adjusting phase and, and teaching us how to be, yeah. you know, adults, yeah. you know, a little bit and helping us figure it out. I always used to tell, tell kids when I was uh, teaching, uh, pretend like you're human. <laughs> That's a Dig great deep, phrase. pretend like you're a human. Yeah. <laughs> you got this. Um it just reminded me of two things, that conversation. Um, one, I have this deep-seated belief that most people, clearly not all, 
but most people in the parkour community are deep introverts. Mm. I mean, hugely introverted. And that made me more comfortable going into jams and stuff because I realized that part of the reason people weren't talking to me was because it was going to be a huge leap of faith. They weren't going to be talking to anybody they didn't know mm-hmm. because that wasn't in their personality to go approach a stranger yeah. at an event and welcome them in. And so I figured out really quickly that because I am a hyper extrovert, mm-hmm. that was a skill that could serve me well in this community. I'm not afraid when somebody new walks into the gym to walk up to them, introduce myself. And now for some of the young guys who have never been in our community before, I think they're a little surprised when I'm the face that's like, (laughs) come on in. (laughs) Yeah. No, really, I'm cool. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's why they're cat people, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I learned about my introversion over the last few years. Um, I, I feel like I'm a little bit of both, but it's like, yeah. I think you're onto something there. I think there's something that lends itself to the introverted person because you have so much control over all the variables. You can make it sort of an inner game very easily instead of a team effort and, you know, whatever, you know, other sports often are. Yeah. Um, So one of the guys that I train with a lot when I can regularly get there on Saturdays, when I first saw him, because he trains even with headphones in Mm -hmm. um, and can kind of be by himself sometimes and when I first saw him I thought he was probably a jerk because he just kept to himself (laughs) but he's a great guy it's just he's never going to be that guy who's like hey you know yeah (laughs) let's train together (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh man yeah and the other one just about women and girls in the community You know, when Megan and I started parkour, both Christine and Renee were coaching at Apex, and we had these great female role models that even when they weren't teaching our class, we just knew were there, and they were part of the community, and we could really look up to what they were doing. And um, right now, we don't have as many, or we have very few, practicing female coaches in Denver. We have a lot of female athletes, I feel like, compared Mm -hmm. to a lot of other places but you know erica's coaching right now obviously she runs her whole gym Mm -hmm. um and michaela does a couple classes a week i think still right now but most girls who are training parkour in the state right now at a gym don't get to interact with adult female coaches and so i've had a few conversations with people from some of the different metro gyms and i'd really like to get started uh like once every other month, a couple hours for the girls and teen girls in our community to come together with like Erica and me and maybe Christine comes in as a guest coach where they get to meet each other from the different gyms and they get to see the other girls in the community and train with some adult women in the community. You know, I'd love to have Kira come and be a guest, Mm -hmm. but have them have a chance to actually see some of the women in the community. Um, I think that could be really powerful for them and I'd really like to work and I know that Rob and a bunch of other people in the community are working right now to be an actual community like Mm -hmm. not the apex and the edge and Mm -hmm. flow vault and you know (laughs) but like doing things together like going to comps at each other's gyms doing parties at each other's gyms Mm. you know that's yeah that's that's again it comes back to inclusiveness and just that's the w- the way to strengthen, and that's how we can rise as a 
community together just all of us you know yeah we're all in it together the community is way too small i think one of the things that like realized when i got a little bit of distance between you know my identity as like the parkour athlete and just my identity as me person human yeah (laughs) um was just you know realizing again like I, i went so deep into the world of parkour and then I was able to zoom out and see like, okay, it's a really small world, it's you know, such a tiny world. <laughs> it's just like, it was my entire world. So I thought it was infinite Yeah. Uh, while it was a, deep in it. But yeah, it's like, it's very small and, and, yeah. um, and it's great. So we can, we can build it out and make it bigger because it's, it's pretty easy to, yeah. to make it bigger at this point. It's, it's still pretty small, It is. Um, but it is it's a fallacy, I guess, for some of us. If you're, if you're like me, you know, a few years ago, you 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 think that it's everything, and it, um, and it would help to to kind of just get that perspective sometimes to see like just just how much work there is to be done, like great work that you can do to help build us out, yeah, um, and be more inclusive. Yeah, I mean truly, because I know for a lot of people, younger people in the community, they would love the opportunity to you know, not even necessarily make a career out of parkour, but at least make some money enough to keep it going for a while. Mm -hmm. And that's the real conundrum of you can't keep it this small kind of cultish behind the scenes (laughs) sport and make money (coughs) anyway. So (laughs) yeah, that's a trade off there. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? I mean, do you follow like you, you were there for the store guys when it came through, obviously. But I'm wondering if you follow other p- bits of the culture that maybe are a little more peripheral in your world that are like, you know, maybe some of that, re- like that Capstone video came out. Do you hear about Capstone coming out? Watched and do you watch night. it? Did you watch it? Okay. So you, I'm this deep. is great. I want to hear. Yeah, you're deep. That's why I was like, I think you're pretty deep in this. Yeah. So um, can I get your reaction to the Capstone video? Yes. Since, we're, since it's so topical. It was a big showing last night at the McQueen house. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Three of us rolling deep on the couch <laughs> watching the England project, and nice. it was amazing. Um, I literally, we loved it so much, and I will say this. We watched another unnamed video we hadn't seen yet afterwards. Oh, yeah. And after it, and it was fine. <laughs> you know, afterwards, my son said, honestly, I would have liked to have watched Capstone England twice yeah. and not have watched the other <laughs> one because... Cast yeah, it's a. Was so good. <laughs> there was like two or three videos that came out yesterday in the like of people that I subscribe to in the community, yeah. and I was just like, ah, oh, all these people that I'm watching after Capstone is just sorry. It was. It just so doesn't good. like you should have published on a different day, because yeah. it was really that next level, and it was it was super epic to watch. Yeah, I will tell you this, and it was funny because I <laughs> actually went rock climbing with Max and Christine this week, and we were talking about who we like to watch move, mm-hmm. and. Joe Scandrid is pretty much my number one person. Really? I mean, oh. Yeah, I love Joe. He His reactions. I love him behind the camera yes. as much as I love him in front of the camera. So one, he always seems like he's having fun. Mm-hmm. I love those guys. <laughs> to a certain extent, I feel like Phil is the same way, Philidi. Um Phil is, is always never yeah, he's just the exemplary human being. Yeah. He's just always like just <laughs> just laughing and just having, having fun a great time, yeah. Kind of on, I feel like they almost have a perspective of how silly all this is that we're mm-hmm. doing. And like, <laughs> just, <laughs> it's awesome. And plus, Joe just is so creative. Some of the stuff he comes up with, I think in the video last night, he does a Kong into wrapping his torso around the light post and then sliding. I think it was a step vault technically, okay. but yes, that, yeah. I, that was one of the things I had to rewind 
my fingers were on the fucking excuse my language yep the j button i don't know if you know here's a pro tip for everyone watching youtube <laughs> the j letter j rewinds 10 seconds k pauses l for 10 seconds my fingers were just hovering over those yeah the entire time because i kept having to go whoa i need to see that again yeah i need to see that again and like oh my god that was one of the things i replayed like four or five times because i wanted to see how he did it i love that at the start and i'm not sure who did it it was the very start that we had to rewind and rewatch when he goes over and then does the shoe slide down the banister and then oh yeah Giannis. yeah yeah that whole thing that just was the creativity legend. like yeah. he's in that. yeah i mean every one of those guys on the roster is innovative yeah at, at, like to, to the high the highest level like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was so crazy to see yeah it's so i started um about gosh it's probably been six months ago now um you know mark turok with apk came to town um to disassemble the formerly the apex backyard quad yeah. <laughs> um and I know, never Apex backyard quad, but we had it in the backyard for a while. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't, yeah. <laughs> so I never even got to check it out, honestly. Oh, no. I spent much time on the quad. Um, <sighs> so it was the first time Mark and I had met in person, and um, he ended up hiring me to do some part-time work for APK. Mm. And I will say that every now and then we'll <laughs> be having like a – phone conference and we'll have a couple of the other APK guys on and <laughs> I get off and I'm like how do I know so much about parkour <laughs> at this point <laughs> like <laughs> that is legendary I'm in there and I'm you know saying okay well did you guys just see that video of the street competition they had in England because like <laughs> that is so good yeah well that makes that's uh, that's even more inspiring it's another dimension of inspiring the fact that you are a nerd about it like I am and, and like so many of us are. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because it's it's not easy to necessarily accept that idea that like, you know, that content, they're not thinking maybe of you no. when they're making it, you know, yep. but you're loving it just as much as any one of us. Yeah. Um, you're, you know, and so it just it's. Yeah. <clears throat> and that is the just to circle back for a second, that is the truth of like making it your whole world is like this stuff does cross time and, and generations in terms of like its impact yeah and so that is the beauty of, of of just you know making it your world sometimes yeah and i would also i mean you <coughs> see it all the time with parents of kids who play like mainstream sports like baseball and football and mm -hmm. those parents are super into the sport and know all the players and can talk about it with their kids yeah but when your kid gets into some more obscure sports i feel like the parents don't always have that same level of appreciation and knowledge although i already mentioned this to you earlier before we were recording mm -hmm. i've actually s supplanted my children where they're just like oh, <laughs> we're so sick of parkour now shut up <laughs> yes we got one yes. even more invested than, yes. than the young the initial <laughs> investor no oh, that's so good yeah when i'm the one who's like hey did you see that video that dropped today and they're like no, we have lives, mom. Oh my God, yes, <laughs> that's how my kids are going to be for sure, probably. Yeah, I have kids. You know, I don't have any yet. Yeah. But um, <laughs> okay, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about you know one of the things that you know your handle is Mel Two Toes. Yes. On Instagram. Yes. And there's obviously a, a very good reason for that, and um, I wanted to make sure we cover that story because yeah. 
it's something that again like i don't know that i've covered in depth with you ever yeah and it's um a huge part of your life and who you are and why again you're even more inspiring than you know <laughs> anyone would would uh care to to know probably unless they care to know whatever am yeah. i saying they, it's just more inspiring even yeah you know to know that i'm always shocked when i talk to people who i've known for quite a while who know, follow me on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And again, it's Mel Tutos on Instagram yeah. who are then like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I have two toes. Um, yeah. It's not a cute, I mean, it's, it is a cute thing, but yeah. it's not like, yeah, it's I not an inside joke. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, cause there is actually somebody else and I don't remember their name who has something two toes on Instagram. And I was like, oh, is this one of my people? And, <laughs> They have 10 toes. Whatever. Oh, get my out of here God. Get trash. out of here with um, <laughs> So, which, again, yeah, parkour and two toes, man. Balance and um, there I can talk uh, for days about all of that. But um, Well, the, please, we got yeah. some time here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the background is that, um, so my husband's into big mountaineering, mm -hmm. and we met in 99. Uh, and um, he was super into mountaineering. He mm. took me up my first 14er. Um, Which was? Uh, so in Colorado, we have these 14 mountains that are above 14,000 feet. Yeah. There are, you can argue how many, but <laughs> most people go by a list of 58 14ers in the state, mm. we call them. Um, so it's, again, a mountain above 14,000 feet. And um, he climbs those. He's summited each of them he's now done it's like over 614 or summits wow. he's working on a project where he's he'll have climbed each one of them in every season um whoa yeah so this is his big thing like that's, uh, <laughs> that's a lot yeah so um when we got together i started hiking with him um i'd always kind of been in nature uh, but I had never been into doing like big mountain hiking mm -hmm. and started doing it with him. And then we got married in 2000. Um, Ooh, right in it. Yeah. <laughs> jumped right in. We did not, we didn't wait around. <laughs> um, when you know, you know, sometimes. You know, you know. Hey. <laughs> so um, we got married May 6th of 2000. May 20th, 2001, just after our one year anniversary he and his dad and I and our dog went to climb Mount Evans, which is like the prominent peak you see from Denver. Mm -hmm. um, and we were all just like, oh, this will be a fun warm up hike to get ready for summer. We've got huge plans for this summer for what we're going to climb. Mm -hmm. um, let's just jog out and get her done. <laughs> um, we saw that. So that was Memorial Day weekend and we were going to go on Monday, Memorial Day, but saw in the forecast that there was going to be a big storm coming. And so we're like, oh, we'll just scoot it a day up and go on Sunday instead to miss the storm. Mm -hmm. And through bad navigation and just a series of, you know, slightly wrong decisions, we ended up getting partway lost. And it took us way longer to get to the summit than it normally would. Mm. Um, and so when we got to the summit, we could see that the storm was already, oops, sorry, I just took the mic. Um, You're good. <laughs> uh, we could see that the storm was already moving in and we were like, yikes, this, this looks bad. 
So we started, at that point, we could actually see the correct trail down. Started down, um, we're in this huge boulder field. Our dog can barely navigate through the boulders and the snow. Um, the guys actually ended up cutting a poncho in half and stringing it under the dog's midsection and lifting her in between big boulders just mm. to get her through because, you know, this is before we had kids. This is our baby. We're not yeah. abandoning her up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, of course not. So <coughs> that slowed us down, and by the time we kind of got down lower, it was already a whiteout. And oh um, at the base of Evans and Bierstadt, there's this area called the Willows, and it's just a big swampland filled with willows and like a lake. And mm. the willows are pretty tall, um, and they're everywhere. It's just like giant shrubs everywhere mm. and through this marsh. And there are creeks and a lake, and it's a whiteout. You know, we can see maybe 10 feet in front of us. Jeez. And totally lost the trail, and we're just wandering around trying to find the parking lot. And... Um, we're in a row and my husband and the dog are in the front and then my father-in-law and then me and my father-in-law like screams and disappears. And so it turned out we were actually going across a snow bridge over a Creek and oh my God. he punched through and went into the Creek up to his waist. And so I dropped down to my hands and knees and I'm crawling, trying to get across and not fall in. But I punched through and went in up to about mid calf into the Creek and but was able to then kind of scramble and pull myself out and I we all got together and we were just like boy this is <laughs> this is pretty bad yeah yeah um we should stop walking around and getting ourselves more lost and just find some shelter and hunker down for the night so mm. we found some trees that were up sort of out of the water and hunkered down under those and tried a bunch of stuff. We had waterproof matches and we could get those lit, but there was nothing dry enough to burn and oh, wow. all this stuff. And, you know, Brad's dad was wet up to his waist in a pair of jeans. <laughs> Jeez. And uh, it got down to 10 degrees that night. And Brad had a pair of dry long underwear in his pack and I had a pair of dry wool socks in my pack. So we got... To Brad's dad out of his stuff and into the host and then sort of laid down with the dog. Um, we used the dog as a pillow and that's why I still have a nose and ears and mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, hands in the armpits and the jacket. So I still have fingers, but um, through more poor decision-making, I actually ended up barefoot at one point during the night and got severe frostbite all on both feet and up my leg part way and mm. so next morning search and rescue pulled us out and i how did they get so they... brad's mom knew where we were well, at least you guys made that good we decision did that well <laughs> <laughs> well and i just want to yeah i'll come back to it but i want to yeah. talk about like what if you're you know because you know they talk about you know what is this thing that causes like some of these bad decisions and it's partly because of like when these extreme things happen it just it, you know, what was that pressure like that? It, and what were the bad decisions, I guess, is what I'm curious about. But yeah, so the main bad decision, I would maybe still have toes. Um, hmm. So first of all, when you get hypothermic, and we were all hypothermic, our body temperatures had lowered That's, enough. Yeah, exactly. Where um, your body kicks into survival mode. So it takes all the blood and tries oh. to keep your vital organs, which are just heart and lungs, hmm. alive. 
which means your brain is getting very little blood and so you're an idiot (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly that's what i was trying to say is like there's like a thing there's a reason why you probably weren't able to make such you know calculated decisions it's like a certain point your body is in panic mode or not panic but survival mode which is like yeah it's just literally trying to keep my heart and lungs going so that my body will technically be alive Mm -hmm. and yeah you really become stupid and so we did do a lot of things right you know we stayed in one place somebody knew where we were supposed to be et cetera, et cetera. keep in mind this was 2001 we didn't have cell phones and they wouldn't have worked up there anyway um and so during the night after we had already kind of settled in and we're getting stupid i was like boy you know my boots filled with water earlier they're <laughs> freezing <laughs> aren't you supposed to take wet clothing off when you get wet? And we were all like, yeah, definitely. And we had to even use a pocket knife because my laces were frozen solid. Um, So we cut those with a pocket knife and got off my boots and my socks. Great. But (laughs) that's, that was all I had. So we tried a couple things to keep them warm. Um, I tried putting them, up my husband's shirt but that was letting a ton of cold air up his shirt and lowering his body temperature even more and um we were already lying on our backpacks to give us a little insulation from the frozen ground and you know the dog was keeping my head and face warm although in hindsight i probably could have done that with the hood and just put my feet under the dog but what we ended up with was because my jacket had a good hood i took my ski cap off and put that over my feet because mm. it was dry. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't keep your feet real warm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I so, can. Yeah. And at some point, so I was also bouncing my legs all night to try to keep some circulation in them. Mm. And so at some point during the night, while I was doing that, it knocked the hat off, and I just didn't recognize. You didn't even feel it probably because yeah. they were already so numb. Right. Right. Like I literally couldn't feel yeah. my feet. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who knew? Um, so yeah, I ended up barefoot overnight, 10 degree weather, um, and my feet basically froze solid. Um, so the night before, Brad's mom had called search and rescue, said they didn't come back, there's a blizzard, here's where they're hiking, here's the car they have, which is exactly what you need to do. Mm-hmm. They sent an officer up that night to the parking lot, which at that point was a pretty small parking lot. Mm-hmm. He drove through the parking lot in the whiteout and didn't see our white car in the parking lot because it was snowing that hard. Oh, my God. Came down, said their car's not in the parking lot anymore. So Oh, my God. They got off the mountain. They probably just went in a ditch somewhere because there aren't any cliffs or anything on the side of this road. He just said, yeah, you know, they probably just went into a ditch somewhere and we'll find them in the morning. <coughs> and so in the morning, they drove up when the weather cleared and saw our car and... <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Sent in the cavalry. Yeah. And then um, I was in the hospital 10 days. And as they tried to stabilize frostbite as it's happening, no pain. As mm. you're freezing, it oh is my God. totally painless. Like I was in no pain all night. Yeah. Um, as soon as you thaw, incredible pain. Um, so... I was on morphine for three months wow. trying to manage my pain. Um, after the 10 days in the hospital, I was sent home with a wheelchair and a nurse came twice a day and checked my bandages and my meds and 
I saw a doctor once a week and I very much had a wait and see mentality because I wanted to keep as much of my feet as I could. Of course. Yeah. Um, when I first got to the hospital, they apparently told my family that I might lose my feet. Yeah. Um, thankfully, nobody told me that. I didn't need to know that at the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my <laughs> so, God. I can imagine. That's um, because, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. The thing with like, yeah, medicine is like they always have to give you like yeah. the worst case scenario. And it's just like. <laughs> so intense but sorry i didn't need please, to please continue yeah <laughs> um <coughs> so then it reached a point where um i had put off surgery long enough one of my toes was actually starting to be loose and oh, kind yeah. of wobble on my foot <laughs> i was like you know what i think i found my line like i can't have a toe fall off at home <laughs> 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 that's that's my hard no yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> So went in, did the first surgery, and they um, amputated all five toes on my right foot um, down to the knuckles. And then on my left foot, I kept my big toe, my fourth toe, and my pinky toe. Eight toes. Mm. Well, during the surgery, they discovered that my big toe actually didn't have enough to survive. Mm. But I hadn't signed consent to have that toe amputated. Mm. So I had to go back in, next surgery, and I was left with my two toes. Mm. They're little survivors. Yeah, They're the survivors. <laughs> they got each other. They have each <laughs> other. Oh, man. You can't leave one toe, interesting fact. Interesting. Yeah, I guess if it was the big toe, you probably could. But if it's one of the smaller toes, it's uh, too much strain and pressure on the toe. And I even do this. You catch it on stuff all the time. And oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> It's uh, yeah, because I actually did um, my fourth toe on my right foot survived or might have, but but you can't just you leave the single one by can't itself. Can't just leave otherwise. that guy sticking out there by himself. He's just too dangerous. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, so I started parkour with no toes. Um, and that's, I mean, we probably, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's just so legendary. <laughs> Forty-year-old no yeah. with two toes, and became. You yeah. know, just this absolute. So, sorry, I don't want to yeah. cut you off, but th that is just such an incredible story. Yeah. And it is, we're so glad that you kept, you know, your, yeah. your two toes and the rest of your feet. Yeah. And then, Me too. what is it? What is like, <laughs> so then it was three months of just excruciate. Well, you were, had some morphine, but it was just pain, yep. thawing out. You had the surgeries. Yeah. And then, how, how did your recovery um, kind of, leave you in, yeah. and then when you found parkour how was it kind of like adapting your style i guess a yeah. little bit to, to um, your to your foot so all through the three months <coughs> leading up to my surgeries um they i was i was just on the couch on the bed or in a wheelchair and mm. um i could use a walker to go like to the bathroom <laughs> mm. um and so went from being in sort of my peak physical shape at 26 to like, you know, and not in shape at all. <laughs> and the whole time my parents and I and everybody kept saying to my amazing doctor, you know, like, what's this going to look like when she's done? What kind of physical therapy we're we looking at? You know, what are the limitations going to be? And bless him. He just kept saying, uh, she's young and athletic. She'll be fine. And 
I, who knows what combination of that being true and me hearing him say it with authority. That placebo is yep. powerful shit, man. It really <laughs> is. Whatever. Thank you, doctor. Yep. Seriously. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. I'm going to be fine. Like, <laughs> so I came out of it. Um, and not that it was placebo, like you're saying. Who knows how much of that yeah. is just like, that's just what he, that's the facts. Yeah. But and it, I'm a. Clearly you were. Yeah pretty positive glasses half full sort of person too mm -hmm. so um it was just going to be fine that, mm -hmm. that's all there was to it <laughs> so started slowly getting back into hiking again had a real mental struggle about whether or not i wanted to get back into hiking again because it was big and scary i can imagine yeah. especially like in the winter months or if yeah. there's any like <laughs> oh my god yeah um and after you've had hypothermia you tend to get really cold really easily for a while oh, so there was a period of time where i was just cold all the time your body's like <laughs> yeah on alert <laughs> so um then my husband was gonna go climb rainier up in washington and i decided i wanted to do it with him and if i was gonna do that i really had to get in shape because mm. um, that's a much bigger multi-day thing for people like us Speed records are less than a day, but we're not that people. <laughs> so um, started seeing a personal trainer, and it turned out the one thing I couldn't do at that point was a squat because it just – my balance was completely off. Mm. Um, but worked with him, quickly got squats back, doing squats, built up my ankle strength, went to Rainier. We didn't summit, but it was a weather thing, not – any physical limitation on my part mm -hmm. and literally from there kind of never looked back like wow. just kept hiking and and that yoga. was how long after Rainier was probably could have been as much as five years after the accident because yeah. we had two kids in that time period also so oh, wow. <laughs> we had been a little busy <laughs> <laughs> clearly yeah I mean that's amazing yeah though I mean the kids and the being able to yeah. to get you know, and we did go maybe two years after that. My husband will be dying if he listens to this because he <laughs> knows dates like exactly. And I'm it like, was I don't know. Was, I think it was the 2000s. <laughs> we went to Africa and I did climb Kilimanjaro and summited Kilimanjaro. Yup. And uh, did a hundred mile just a few years ago. I did a hundred mile trek around the base of Mont Blanc in France. Oh, wow. So it's a hundred miles to hike around the base of it. So did that um the real answer is i have no idea what it's like doing parkour with toes yeah i think it's easier <laughs> <laughs> i have a deep-seated belief that it's easier <laughs> i would second that <laughs> I would, i'd bet on it yeah um my favorite gym two-toe story is um one day i was in the gym and I was literally just, it was a mellow day, so I was just doing laps on the lower rails, um, practicing balance, and not really paying much attention to other things. And then I was in the lobby talking to whoever it was at the front desk, and there had been a dad in the gym observing his little kid who was new to parkour, and he came out and he said, I got to tell you, I'm just blown away by your balance. I was watching you balance <laughs> up there, and you do not use your toes at all. Like you're just balancing away and you're not even like using your toes to grip the rail. And I was just like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. That is true. Yes. I balance without the use of my toes. 
astute observation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, again, back to that, my nature and competitive nature, I'm really competitive with myself. Mm. And so in a good way, you can have that and it can be negative. But mine's always just served to push me. So I always kind of have to prove to myself that I can do, you know, mm. stupid things like lie on my back with a piece of PVC pipe between my legs and roll over and not have it fall off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> using my toes to keep it on my feet. So <laughs> it is, it's a big part of who I am. Um, you can't go through something like that without having it change you. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. I just think that whole story is just so powerful. I mean, the fact that you came back from, you know, that wild experience yeah. and were, was able, I mean, it's really beautiful too that uh, you and Brad stayed together through that whole thing, I think, um, you know, just, yeah. and, you, and you, now you continue to hike and you continue to summit mountains yeah. and you're, and, and then you find parkour and, yeah. <laughs> you know, the whole discipline is basically on your feet, you yeah. know, and, and, yeah it just makes your story just so so powerful i think because you know i i, I would never have thought someone would be capable of the things yeah. you're capable of without you know the the, the full foot or whatever you know yeah, but you it hear clearly stories all the time about like people lose toes and they like just fall down walking and like that has so not been my yeah experience it, i don't think that's yeah <laughs> for, <clears throat> like i mean i don't know i wasn't this dude in the gym that apparently could see something but like i, I would never know <laughs> that you didn't have um all toes you know just based on the way you train you yeah have, you, it seems it's funny because all my coaches know mm -hmm. but because of who i am and they've known me so long they always forget yeah like it's just not something we talk about or think yeah, about yeah. and every now and then we'll be doing something and i'll be like you know i think i'm struggling with this because of the no toes and they'll be like <laughs> oh right <laughs> oh man i totally forgot about that <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> oh, yeah it's yeah, easy to forget seeing you move harder. for sure <laughs> so. very easy yeah. but yeah it's that's so cool yeah and, um yeah clearly you know it i mean that must have brought something out of you like you said it changed you and oh my gosh it made you so strong it seems like i mean yeah. maybe you just always were that strong but it's just to to come back from all that it just it makes sense now in some ways like that how you were able to again blaze this trail for women and for older you know yeah. <laughs> folks in parkour um because that's not an easy w path to walk i don't think but you make it look easy oh so. thank you i'm having fun doing it so yeah that's, that's the important <laughs> thing <laughs> yeah that's good yeah um it's been an interesting and it's funny i actually love that you rec i love that you recognize that it's amazing that our marriage survived that because yeah. we have been married a year um brad blamed himself for the accident because he was the most experienced person in our group mm. although it was all of our fault we all made mistakes along the way yeah i can imagine that'd be tough we made a decision sort of like how i made the decision that this was going to make me stronger mm. um we made a decision that it was going to make our marriage stronger that we were gonna and some days you say that and you don't necessarily feel it but you're saying it and mm -hmm. <laughs> You say it enough, just like my doctor's saying she's, she'll be fine. Um, I, I do think there's a lot to that positive thinking, but we really did use it to make us stronger. And, you know, by year two, we, it felt like we had been married like a decade because we had been through this huge mm -hmm. trauma together. And 
used it to solidify us and it sort of really puts into perspective a lot of like who didn't do the dishes like <laughs> yeah no doubt I'm we'll sure. figure it out it'll be fine like <laughs> wow yeah. yeah that is that is so beautiful and that is I, I love that you just say we just decided that it was going to make us stronger yeah because that's something that is super empowering to anyone listening I think it's just like choose it yeah you know if you want you can just choose that path for yourself and for your, your partner or for whatever it is. Yeah. It and it's not like. going to be easy necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's important to, that you make that caveat as well. And especially I like the way you said, it's just, you don't even always feel that way, but if yeah. you keep saying and choosing it, then yeah. And it, then it has blossomed. It seems like, or it very oh. quickly blossomed after that into, yeah. you know, what this relationship is. Yeah. No, I think we have an amazing marriage for us. It wouldn't work for everybody, but like, that's your thing is you have to find your person who I always used to say that everybody has issues. You just have to find somebody whose issues work with yours. <laughs> mm -hmm. We have found a way to get our <laughs> issues to work together. Um, we're both really independent. So, mm -hmm. you know, he has his big hobby that I don't do a lot of mm -hmm. and I have my hobby that he does none of. And, but we have our life together and we have our kids and, you know, mm. that thing to come back to each day and, that's been awesome for us so that's awesome yeah and he has a book about this whole journey right yes. that you talked about it, it, yeah if anyone wants to like yeah <laughs> like I'll, I'll put it in the description or whatever i mean i don't yeah. know i'd be curious if it um yeah if, if people want to to dive deeper into that journey and, yeah. and, and how that story you know you told me you were going on tour once with him and, yeah. and talking about it so <laughs> um so it started for a long time. We didn't really talk about the accident. Um, mm -hmm. I did with a therapist, but we just didn't like seek out talking to people about it. But after some time and distance had passed and we were like, boy, there really are a lot of lessons that can be learned from all of this, whether it's mountaineering safety or just, you know, mm -hmm. coming overcoming obstacles or things like that. Um, Brad sat down and wrote a book that really covers the accident and his journey into mountaineering. Um, it's called Exposed tragedy and triumph of mountaineering and uh through that um i was actually in backpacker magazine once was one of the featured survivors mm -hmm. i was on colorado public radio told my story i um have been we've done a number of things on the news about mountaineering safety it's a real passion of ours and with that every we haven't made a lot of money with the book it's not like a national bestseller <laughs> but we have donated 100% of the money we've made from the book to um, mountaineering nonprofits, and the majority has gone to the team that rescued us because they are a nonprofit team made mm. of people who literally wow. volunteer to leave their job when they get the page and wow. go That's find awesome. people. So, yeah. That's incredible. Trying that to help them out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, that's, that's wonderful because, yeah, I can – it can it can be just so even way more it can be actually you know super super tragic when people don't come back at all you know and there so it's crazy that people are just volunteering to do that because yeah. yeah we need that sometimes yeah there have been a number we actually an ice climber just climbed here Wednesday died here Wednesday oh, really? um, yeah and um, a number of not to go totally away from parkour but no, go, go totally <laughs> um, away from it COVID because of lockdown and people trying to social distance brought a lot of people to the outdoors that hadn't been mm -hmm. going to the outdoors. Um, and I'm a 
if it's not my outdoors like if you want access yeah. to it you've got every bit of the right i do that being said they saw a huge surge in search and rescue need because a lot of people were going out who didn't have the knowledge necessarily that they needed to do it and be safe. Yeah. And so it's been a super hard time for all of the rescue teams. And mm. again, they're all volunteer um, because they have to social distance, they have to take all these extra precautions on rescues, plus they're getting way more calls than they ever have. Oh so, my God, it yeah. feels like, yeah. It's Let's lighten the regulations on some of these guys, maybe. <laughs> right, it's been a perfect storm. And even, you know, like there were a couple guys who had their rescue gear in their trucks and it was stolen out of their trucks and just and they piled all their own gear even like oh my god <laughs> so anything we can do to help that community out we've been like they literally saved our lives so yeah. <laughs> jesus well yeah we'll put that in the description yeah. too that for sure was linked to what those guys are doing because yeah there's been crazy amounts of people out in the wilderness now yeah. it's not clear that everyone's got the experience i mean i'm really fortunate my dad's a pretty wild man yeah and so he's taken me into some situations and, and taught me more than i realized i actually knew until i started you know going mountaineering and, and just right. camping and things with friends and and realizing that i had a different understanding of nature not that i'm <laughs> the shit i'm like i gotta be careful i don't yeah. go too far off the beaten path but i'm just like okay i can go like you know in camp and like know yeah. what I want, know what I need to bring and, yeah. and whatever. And, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my dad and took me up Long's peak once oh, and like really? we did a snow cave in like nice. chasm Lake on yeah. that. And that was probably the most intense thing I've ever done. Yeah. And that's again, these, the nature will harden you like, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> like it nature will, care. nature will not give a <laughs> shit. Like I was, I, nope. I mean, I, I can't sympathize exactly because I just, I don't, uh, it wasn't a blizzard or anything, but I'm yeah. just, I just imagine how exhausted I was even just climbing up. And then just when we, we, I remember when I walked back from that trip, I was just like, first of all, when we got to the top of the mountain, that was the, the hardest core sleep I've ever had in my life Yep. because I was so ridiculously exhausted. I don't even, it was one of these things where it became like an eternal event. Like it felt like I just blinked, but it also it felt like I, blinked and in that blink a million years had passed yeah. <laughs> it was like a weird timeless thing that happened where i just woke up but it also felt like i was dead for it was right weird and so yeah the mountains will do that longs is a <laughs> longs i always think it's funny it's a long day yeah, it's, like, a long, it's a long day it's a long day <laughs> there are other 14ers you can do that are way easier um <laughs> And much better places to start, although starting with somebody who's experienced is awesome if you could do it. But we also live in the digital age. Like, there are so many resources available to get even the most basic knowledge before oh, yeah. you go out. Like, oh, and by <laughs> the way, I don't know if it was entirely from exhaustion or one of the decisions we didn't make was my dad had the, the stove on in there. And we might have oh. just been breathing a little too much yeah, of yeah. that gas because no, I don't know. No, no. <laughs> I don't know how much if it was that and how much was the other. It could have been a little carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. A little half and half, maybe. I might have never woken yes, up is what I'm saying say. from that <laughs> sleep. We'll just, You're we don't know. You. It could have been that I it was tired. It could have been that I almost right. suffocated. The hypoxia was We could have been, uh, who knows. But um, That's awesome. <laughs> I think he remembered to poke the hole like Good. halfway, you know, through the night <laughs> right. or something. But anyway, 
that's awesome. Um, so yeah. Yeah, no, nature, she doesn't care. And we've had, um, you know, my husband's friends tend to all be sort of in the, from either his work or the mountaineering community. And so mm -hmm. we have a lot of friends in the mountaineering community. We have unfortunately lost friends in hiking accidents. Um, mm. We have friends that have been hit by lightning. We have Holy friends shit. with <laughs> traumatic <laughs> brain injury from getting hit with rocks, even with a helmet on. Um, oh, yeah, I bet. It's, it's so... Nobody has more of an appreciation than we do that, you know, <laughs> it's, it is another form of really challenging yourself. And, you know, thankfully, my husband is really smart about it and really studious. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he studies the weather. He studies slope angles like, you mm -hmm. know, so and it's his love and passion. Um, after the accident, I had people ask me, how do you still let him go out and hike? And <laughs> I was like, well, A, that's not really how our relationship works. We don't, <laughs> we don't let each other do stuff. <laughs> and B, it's who he is. Like, I don't want him to be a different person. I don't want to change him and take that away from him. We're going to be smarter. We've learned from this. And he'll you know not make the same mistake twice i trust him in that but yeah. i accept that <laughs> yeah i mean that's beautiful yeah. because you know sometimes with those things when when something goes you know the wrong way and it you yeah. know one of the worst things that can happen happens it can it can teach you a lot and then sometimes that eliminates like you know you just know what you're dealing with now that's such a more visceral level it's like Actually, the last person who's probably going to have an issue is now, yeah. you know, you guys are, or Brad in, on these missions because most people don't even know the consequences. Right. And that's one of the reasons why they would run into those scenarios. Oh, my gosh. We'll be out hiking and people will pass us or, you know, we'll be coming down because we always <coughs> summit really early because of storms in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. and We'll be coming down and you see people going up totally unprepared and I'm floored there isn't more that happens to people. Right. Like. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you're just like people, I mean, and they're, and they're not, you know, Colorado has its reputation and stuff and people come out here and they're like, yeah. it's not so much anymore, but when first weed was legalized, oh, you know, God. people would just come out and they would just kind of going to get ripped and head to the woods and yeah. stuff. And I'm just like, <laughs> I remember I was climbing the flat irons one day and it's like, all right, we're like parkour dudes, you yeah. know? And we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm scared, but I'm like focused at right. least. And, um, you know, we're free soloing the flat, flat irons. It's not unheard of, you no, know, no. lots of people do it, but, yeah. but then sure enough, one day I was like coming down and you know, this group of dudes was coming up and I was like, these guys just do not seem with it. No. And <laughs> sure enough, we like, as we were coming down, you know, one of them is like, Oh, just waiting for the stretcher because they oh. fell off and it's just like, Oh my God, it's yeah. really easy for, for, you, you know, I uh, have done two of the flat irons. I've done the first and the third, but I was roped. I'm not a. <laughs> no, my I am not young and male. There was no need to free solo them, although uh, so many people do. I mean, yeah. there are a lot of experienced climbers. That's just a like quick. It's like going out for a jog. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, and it, and but yeah, because it's like because it looks so approachable, some yeah. people will just look at it and just. Oh yeah, it looks like it. And it's like no, it's you better that. know what you're doing. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, but. yeah. Um, I do think you know we debate a lot in the, and again another overlap between sort of climbing and 
parkour, one of the things we debate a lot in the climbing community is what has social media done to climbing? To, and I, by climbing, I mean rock climbing and mountaineering. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you see people um, posting all this stuff and it suddenly feels it's almost had the opposite effect. That instead of people being like, oh, that's an amazing thing you did. It's a, like all of a sudden, I guess, feels accessible. Like, oh, yeah. Jeez. <laughs> oh, OK. Yeah. And I want to go get that shot on the knife edge <laughs> of Capitol. And I, um, you know, want to do this and that. And I feel the same way about like roof gaps or like. Yeah, things no, like totally. That, you know? I think so, too. That's a real thing. That do you remember a couple of years ago and by a couple time has no meaning to me. So it's <laughs> been like five years ago, there was a dude who f- was trying to do parkour on a roof and got stuck in a chimney here in Denver and I heard about this but I, I don't remember when it was or who it was yeah so the guy wasn't somebody who does parkour yeah he literally like his quote in the paper was I went out to try to play parkour like <laughs> he had seen on social media people doing roof gaps and roof stuff and decided to go up and give it a try and got <laughs> stuck in a chimney and they had to literally break the chimney apart to get him out and like <laughs> yeah just because you saw it on the internet, like <laughs> I like the boldness, right? <laughs> but I don't like that. You, you know, you don't. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it is, it is very strange that people will just jump into that and be like, "Oh, you can do that." I guess yeah. I'll just do it then. Yeah, I always when I think of and, and gets, down a chimney. Right. I mean, that's more Santa than parkour. Yeah. Like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> but whatever. Um, I always when we were still kind of newer in the parkour community and getting into it and stuff. Uh, we were walking through the Cherry Creek mall one day and Nick Ortiz, we ran into him in the mall mm-hmm. and we were talking and I all of a sudden looked down and was like, Nick, are you bleeding? <laughs> and he was like, Oh yeah, we were just doing roof gaps and I actually just came in the mall to wash the blood <laughs> off. <laughs> and I was like, Sounds about right. Yeah, you should go do that. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds about right, for sure. I appreciate that you stopped to talk to us, but (laughs) by all means. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's very interesting. Like, I mean, since you're a nerd about it, you know, um, like Dom did this big Kong front at IMAX, right? And um, we saw he just won a store award. He just won the store award for (laughs) the send of the year, I think, and mail of the year. Yeah. So congrats to Dom. Yeah. And uh, and I don't know if you knew this, but this was something I just learned through listening to the Store Words podcast, I think, was that had been completed now by two other folks. Two other guys did the same Kong front. And so it's the same kind of thing where it's like once it once the door is open, there was a little bit of like it's just that's the way it is. Once the door is open, it's easier. It's more accessible. It is actually, in fact, more accessible. But there also is just like. Yeah, it's like it's an invitation for people to to flex where they yep. shouldn't be flexing. Yep. And there's this one gentleman who won the bail of the year yeah. who had done the, the Kong front that Dom did. Yeah. But then he tried the other one that Dom did. And like, I don't know if you saw that bail, yeah. but oh, yeah. <laughs> what's his name? High on flips. Yep. High yeah. on flips. Shout out high on flips. And it's like, yeah, it's <clears throat> again, it's sort of that same aspect. It's not the exact same you know, it's not the emotional, it's not the same kind of aspect of what we talked about with men growing into themselves, but it is sort of one of those things where it's like, it's kind of that same thread. It's one of those things that makes up that fabric, which is, you know, understanding like the ego and like why you need to do it. And maybe 
you're doing everything right and you feel like you're doing everything yeah. right, but you just don't understand that, you know, safety as right. well as you ought to. I mean, or you're just more comfortable. I mean, he was okay, I guess, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> surely he didn't want to land on his no. hip on that wall. No. Um, oh, no, no. And then there's like the, the, you know, <laughs> then there's just the, the roll of the dice that every, you know, maybe it's a one in a million bail that he actually experienced. So it's just hard to say, but yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's real. The, just like, I think that because of the internet and the availability of seeing stuff on the internet, the sport has gone farther faster than it would have otherwise. Um, when I was recently having a conversation with several gentlemen who have been in the community for quite a while, sort of since the beginning, I'm pretty sure Two Rock was there and a couple other guys like that. And we were joking about doing something in the gym and they were like, yeah, but somebody will probably do that because all the stuff that we used to joke about would never yeah. be done. <laughs> like, people are doing now. Yeah. They're doing the stuff that we <laughs> used to joke. <laughs> nobody's ever going to confront IMAX. Like, yeah. <laughs> nobody's going to even do IMAX. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Exactly, yeah. It was just so so, so close. Yeah, it, that was the thing, you know? First when Kai did that, and then, yep. and then the second person, I think, was Max which yeah, was just it just goes yeah like right. you said it just goes to show like how the next generation they just go oh, that's what do we do now okay that's what we're doing yeah. but it's just it's absurd it's yeah. absolutely absurd it's well and i will say this i i enjoy watching all those things and it's cool to see those challenges being broken yeah but my personal style and what i like to watch definitely goes more towards the like line building and that's yeah. just my area you know is definitely more towards the parkour side probably than the free running side it's not mm -hmm. just like there's only so much i can watch somebody just jump something larger and larger and higher and <laughs> higher like <laughs> i appreciate it for what it is but i would rather get stuck in like on this capstone england project it was a lot of different moves and building lines and stuff it felt like and not mm -hmm. just even i would contrast it with capstone australia i felt like was a lot more hucking off bigger things like yeah it was a little yeah <laughs> sendy is a lack yeah. for lack of a better term <laughs> i mean it was all like capstone that's kind of its feel i mean it's hard to say because we only have two projects so far right. out of them but yeah it's the australia project was very you know big you know big giant moves but yeah. not so complex and then there's yeah. like now the little more it was kind of like funkier and yeah intricate although still very difficult and at times very risky oh. you know there, i mean some of those <laughs> things like the the Toby's splat at the end. I'm always curious to yes. see what they're going to end with because that whole move, that whole video was just enders, you know, as we right. call them in skate videos. And it's just like, that was scary for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what he did. I thought he was going to cat leap. And yes. like, when I saw the photo, I was like, Oh, that's a scary cat leap. But he just yes. went to like pounce off of it. And I'm like, I don't think that's better. I think that's, that's yeah. worse. No. But I don't know if he just, who knows? Maybe he did. It. I don't know. I'm curious. I want to talk to Toby about that. Yeah, but. we kept saying um, when we see stuff that like that, savage. we always go, "That's not a thing. <laughs> that's that's not, that's not a thing. That's <laughs> uh, those like splatbacks. They're actually oh. like a lot like more like if you ever do have you done some of those splatbacks? Very small. It actually I will. But when you do them, they're like okay, hype. like they're pretty fun and they're not as hard as they think they no. are gonna be. You know, no. but it just depends on the surface. All right, last thing. Yeah. Wait, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, I am always scared when I'm going to try new things. And so 
I actually have done a lot of like bounce backs, splat backs as I'm looking to go and maybe do a cat leap to something that's a little higher than my comfort zone or a little yeah. farther away. I have much I've, respect and love for those. <laughs> I, yeah, I think the bounce back and the splat back, mm -hmm. they're kind of the same technique. Yeah. And ultimately that is the most fundamental technique almost, I think, of anything that you can learn in parkour. Yeah. Is the ability to land with your feet, you know, yeah. against something in a way that um, you control it enough to, if you needed to, just jump off of it or grab it with your hands yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Because that's your landing technique in a, in a lot of ways as well. Right. But <laughs> it's like, it's the thing that gives you the confidence to go for it. Exactly. And it's just the only difference is it's like a vertical wall or a right. something else. All right. The last thing I wanted to touch on with you yes. is the Queen City project because you were. Yes. involved in this and we can preview it a little bit because max has given us permission yes. thank you max, Thanks, max. <laughs> <laughs> um so would you please just you know let us know yeah kind of what what is the project a little yeah. bit and be brief i guess because i don't want to give too much no. away i'm sure for max we won't sake. give too much away but uh and then your involvement in, yeah. yeah and then and we can wrap up after that probably yeah so funny story and i told this right after max and christine got married so um i'm an intellectual so like when i first started doing parkour the first thing i did was run out and buy books about parkour oh nice so that i could understand it and know the history and do all that so um you got yourself a copy of max's book didn't i you? got a copy <laughs> of max's book and that was before he was here and you know i really had no idea who he was i just he wrote a parkour book and got more into the parkour community and then all of a sudden max started showing up in denver a lot and i was just like the guy who's the, the guy <laughs> I know him. <laughs> and now he's a friend of mine um through christine and through the gym and knowing him and stuff mm -hmm. and so max uh invited a bunch of parkour women from north america a handful of parkour women from north mm -hmm. america out to denver over the summer to train together and get some footage of uh women in parkour and is working on a project putting that together and I got to meet some of the women who I hadn't gotten a chance to meet and train with them um I don't know if I was included because I'm a friend if I was the I was the token over 40 for sure. <laughs> um and uh it was you know about a week of training together each day and it was probably one of the most tremendous parkour experiences I've had um seeing what they're doing and the encouragement to each other and just the things that people broke and like mm. just the community of it. One day we literally just went tubing. I think you came that day up where we you were tubing up in Clear Creek. I did. Uh, like, yeah. yeah. After work, I showed up and I was like, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys were doing fun. You guys look like you're having a lot more fun oh than I was all day. Gosh, <laughs> we had so much fun. It was just such an incredible opportunity. And um, my daughter got to be there for a couple days with it. And getting her again getting to see and train with these women who she would never normally get a chance to train with i mean she has grown up in the community where she just sort of expects to be training with guys mm -hmm. and so to get a few days of just training with women was just phenomenal and mm -hmm. so many laughs and so much fun and so much encouragement and it was really awesome i'm excited to see what he puts together 
Me too. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait for that. That's going to be amazing. I think, like you said, it's just really powerful and it's, yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, just keep pushing that forward. I can't wait. And we, I'm sure, I'm sure when the time is right, Max, we'll, oh, yeah. we'll be willing to preview a little bit further in that project yeah. or maybe a post, you know, whatever, when that comes out. But I think, you know, we'll be looking for that this April is when I think it first yeah. pre- premieres. And to have something, I mean, there are women, like the store awards give a award to a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there is getting to be some sort of, some increased presence, you know, Sarah runs Parkour Women Instagram page that highlights things women are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be nice to get, you know, more in the face of, here's some awesome parkour community building that women are doing and not another discussion about should they have thrown the blow up doll off of the IMAX cap <laughs> said it was the first woman to do the IMAX oh cap. Oh my God. Yeah, that was, <laughs> I'd say that was kind of one of the low points in parkour of the, uh, that was, that was, yeah, that was, yeah, that's I don't know what to do. You just face palm with that. You just go, you know what? Those are the gentlemen that we want to see grow as as into those young are the men. types that are going to probably grow up to be great guys <laughs> and hopefully learn from that and yeah. i mean probably you too got this but i was super super privileged to grow up in the era where nobody had phones nobody had video I, cameras yeah all the stupid decisions i made at their age are not on film and published for the world <laughs> to see so <laughs> exactly yeah no i i'm fortunate i basically didn't have anything until facebook yeah you know that was like kind of my first okay here's a record of like my idiocy yeah and it was i was a pretty big idiot when i first got on facebook but it it wasn't that much bad stuff on there right <laughs> whereas by the time facebook came along for me it was here's another picture of my baby <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah my social media has actually gone the other direction from here's my cute baby to here's the stupid thing i did this week so <laughs> nice <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what it's there for. Yes. It's for stupid things, typically. I have a famous, um, my one big bail that was caught on film. At the end of it, after I disappear into a hole, you just hear me yell, I'm okay. (laughs) And that, my friends, that has been their mantra now for years oh really time. yes good you become Something a meme stupid happens on the internet it's just <laughs> i'm okay <laughs> that's good yeah that's really good yeah that's my practice <laughs> mm. i don't know if i've seen the one but you have to show me but let's wrap it up yep. thank you so much for being here yeah thank you thank for you for telling me. me all about everything in your story and you know, we'll be looking for you in Queen City. That'll be really fun. Yeah. Um, and just all that you're doing for the community on behalf of me and oh. really anyone who thinks I speak for them in this moment. Yeah. Thank you for just yeah. everything that you do. And yeah, I'm excited yeah. To, to just, I want to go train now, except it's snowing. No, it's snowing. Um, yeah, I was going to joke that, you know, long time listener, first time <laughs> guest. I actually have been listening a long time to the podcast. Oh, so, so you know some of my idiocy from back in the day. Nice. You had some real <laughs> bangers back in the day. <laughs> oh man, I've gone through a journey with this podcast. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I was on a road trip once to pick up my son at a rock climbing destination and had loaded up a few episodes and it was partway through one of them. I was like, what is going on with Brandon right now? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I certainly didn't. I'm still figuring it out, but yep. thank you for listening. I really yeah. appreciate that. Um, no, it's good. It's I enjoy good. it. <laughs> Thanks. All right. Thank you guys for listening and watching at home. And that'll be it.
Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was it. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Melissa McQueen, also for joining us and for sharing and giving us your perspective and story. And please go to the description if you want to find her links and the projects she's supporting in there. And then, of course, for Height Drop, you can support us through all the links that are beneath those. And we appreciate you listening, subscribing, commenting, liking, all that stuff. Um, sending them five-star reviews to Spotify and Apple. And buying the merchandise, buying some delicious items from HeightDrop.com. You know what I'm saying? Um, or just making a donation. You're making a tax-deductible donation in your name or in someone else's name or in the name of something that you believe in whatever um, thank you for just being a listener here and we'll see you on the next episode whenever that is uh, I appreciate you guys much love <laughs>